This episode of the podcast is brought to you by my company, Horns Gordon. Now this time we've just released our biggest ever athletic clothing range. And this range is my favourite we've ever done. We've put so much time and effort into this to making sure it's just spot on. So we've gone for a nice clean golden black look across the whole range. We've got some specialist compression wear. So we've got compression rash guard, compression leggings, compression shorts. We've got a nice compression leggings and sports bra set for the women. And then we've also got some nice t-shirts that you can wear in and out of the gym. So we've got our bind room tee and a nice distressed look. We've got horns loading t-shirt. We've got oversized bind room t-shirt, which is probably my favorite item out of the whole range. See if you just go and check that out. It's really, really nice. And uh, we've got some women's only t-shirts. We've got some athletic shorts. We've got jogging pants. Honestly, we have hit everything with this range and we've put it all out there. So go over to the website, hornsvoting.com. Use the code HORNS10 to listen to the podcast, get a discount 10% of anything off the website. So that's not just the athletic wear. You get anything off of the horns, the mead, any other clothing, the jewelry, you name it. You're going to get 10% off. So just use the code HORNS10. Listen to the podcast, get that. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the Nordic Mythology Podcast. I'm Daniel Farron, co-owner of the company Horns of Odin, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Matthias Nordvik. Hello, everybody. We are joined this time by Uffe Behrend, a um, really good friend of mine and a really awesome tattooist from Denmark, um, from the tattoo studio Ginnungagap Art. Welcome, Uffe. Thanks. Thanks a lot. It's a uh... Great to be here. I have not tried this a lot, so I'll try not to be too nervous. Oh, you'll be fine. We're lovely people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too scared. <laughs> no. So before we get to it, how, how are you two? How are you both doing? Have you been up to anything, anything folks? I have a little story about me today, nearly killing myself. So <laughs> I'll Let's let you two go for first. <laughs> um, I just finished working. Uh, it's it's evening here in Denmark, so yeah, I had a great day. Yeah, I am guessing you'll be really busy with the backlog from being closed. Yes, we are now fully opened again, and the borders are open again, uh, which is pretty awesome. So we, I think by now we have everything get everyone scheduled that was sort of on hold. Uh, so yeah, it's it's quite wonderful to be at it again full time. I bet yeah, I bet that's a, a good feeling. Matthias, I saw that you you've been up in the mountains with with some friends. Oh yeah, I went. Um, I I took some of the high loan people uh, touring the mountains. They're playing tonight at the Red Rocks uh, venue here in in Colorado. We went we went on a little little cruise in the mountains. Some of them needed to get out of the city after having been there for a day. <laughs> Nobody got eaten by a mountain lion. Nobody got eaten by a mountain lion. We um, we, we 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 went to see uh, the old uh, capital of uh, Colorado, Central City, which is where the gold rush started back in the day. Um, mm. This is incidentally also the town that paved its sidewalks in gold um, at one point. Well, literally. 
Literally. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a rundown shithole, to be honest. It's like there's, there's nothing but casinos there. Because <laughs> they put all the gold on the streets and everyone stole it. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I don't suppose it's there anymore. No, it, it, it isn't. <laughs> no, it no, wasn't last long. We uh, I showed them showed them that it's it's very you know cowboy um, wild west kind of feeling to it, and then we took a little drive into the mountains and uh, dropped down to Nederland or Netherland as it is called where I used to live, and of course you know most of the people on the uh, that I was driving with they're Dutch so they had uh, a fun time learning that the town in the middle of the mountains is called Nederland, <laughs> which means, you know, <laughs> Netherlands, like mm-hmm. low-lying place of some kind. Now that you now that you had um, have your green card, did you feel even better being the guide? Did you have like yeah, a, yeah. a little feel, bit more of sense of a belonging? I feel I feel totally local now. <laughs> <laughs> you got your green card. I got my green card. So. Congratulations. Thank you. So now, now I, I, I can do normal things like a normal human being. <laughs> yeah, not to worry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a, a fun time at work. So Eddie, the guy who who works for me, he's he's off for a couple of weeks because he's getting married. So I'm going to his wedding on on Thursday. Um, so I, I've got a young lad in covering that I'm trying to teach. And I was wearing a big baggy T-shirt and I leaned over one of the, the grinders that we have. I was spinning to, to close the extraction unit. My T-shirt got caught in it and kind of pulled me into the, into the machine. Um, thankfully, I was calm enough just to turn the machine off. And then I, I moved away and had a big rip all down the side of my T-shirt that ripped open and a nice big, um, no, not like a cup, but like a graze where the, where the sanding wheel had like sanded against my stomach. Oh, so that shit. was my my fun day today. I was like, ah, oh. well, that ended fairly well, but I'm glad that it was me and not him. But also, it could have been a lot worse. That could have been really nasty. Mm-hmm. I guess that's what happens when you're not paying attention. <laughs> well, but I'm, I survived. I'm here. It just missed my uh, my stomach tattoo. <laughs> that's lucky. Yeah, no, that I would have been pissed off. That I'm still with. I'm gonna go see Sean to get that finish. I think in a couple of weeks. So, oh, I did spot Sean's line, lines on you. Yes, yes, you did. Yeah. So Sean did. Sean did my. Well, Sean's done a. We're doing a, like a Thor mask on my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done an Odie mask on my back, and then I've got on my neck by Sean as well. So cool. he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He's he's drawn on me quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. I always find it really interesting. You get people who complain. You get people in the UK who who complain about going there. You're driving two or three hours to go to to see him, but then you have people who are willing to fly from the other side of the world to go to to go and get tattooed by him. Like, do you understand how lucky you are that it's only two or three hours away? In the in the US, two or three hours that's like a brief commute to work or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you if it is. Do you do you get a lot of you said that the borders have now opened up? Do you do you get a lot of people coming from overseas to, to Gununga Gap? Uh yes, I do actually. Um not really by design, it just kind of has happened like that. Um 
about 80 and 90 percent of my clients are from abroad oh wow so that's quite a percentage yeah which is lucky because denmark is very small so i guess i've run out of customers at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've got a hit list of tattoo places to go when i when i finally get over to denmark and to um copenhagen there seems to be so many good tattoo places there i'm like i want to visit all of them and get a little bit by everybody <laughs> yeah and when it comes to like nordic tattoos the birthplace is kind of copenhagen mm-hmm. and then it's it's like spread out from there absolutely like i said there's there's we we've had so many people on this podcast already that are all based in Copenhagen or in Copenhagen and I'm just like as soon as I go to Copenhagen all I'm going to be doing is getting tattooed for like three days <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it so oh, for where did I guess where did it all start with you and Nordic tattoos did you tattoo regularly before or did you like just normal designs or was, was you a Nordic tattooist from the outset yeah yeah for me it was always only about the nordic tattoos i started uh about 10 years ago um so i i started as an apprentice quite late uh, i mean before i actually started learning myself i was quite fascinated with the idea of the particularly the, the polynesian tattoos and the the idea of of ritual and and a symbolic language you can use to actually uh, describe a story or uh, imbue the wearer with a certain power. Uh, and, and then I just thought we have such a, a, a rich uh, heritage, uh, Scandinavian historical heritage, where you have uh, symbols and, and myths and sagas and you know, runes and so on, uh, like in abundance to do the same. What attracted me to tattooing was the actual situation of being tattooed. Like in the situation, there is a, a strange connection or, or almost a certain magic happening. And I use the word magic rather loosely, but the happening between the person getting the tattoo and the person tattooing it. Uh, and, and, and this, this, I felt there was a power in this. And, and that's that. That's what attracted me to it. And then I thought, if I can at the same time pull on uh, a cultural cultural heritage connected to a spirit that I feel we are missing today, if I, if I can combine that with that uh, powerful experience that tattooing is, then I think I'm onto something. And that's 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 what what dragged me into it. Awesome. Just to just to pull back to what you said, I think that's such a good point that it is such a, a connecting thing between the tattooer and the tattooee, because yeah. you, I mean, you're locked together in a very close environment for, you know, sometimes maybe up to eight nine hours a day, and you know the that you've given you've trusted them with the responsibility of putting something on your skin for, you know, for life. It's there. It's there forever. And also, you know, you you do get into conversations where you sometimes it go very personal because you are kind of together in this, in this experience, in this situation and you just talk and get quite open. And it is a very, a very personal thing. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, you go past all normal 
uh, sort of intimacy barriers right away. First of all, people are half naked uh, <laughs> 15 minutes after you met them the first time sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, um, so, so there's an element of you can cut the bullshit, right? We have, mm -hmm. we have passed all the normal sort of crap we keep up to, to, to uphold this kind of illusion of self and this is who I am and this is how I am, sorry. And, and yes, as you say, there's many hours you spend together and you're really close. And there's certainly also elements of whatever your experience is in the tattooing situation is literally being hammered into your skin. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, such, a, it's such a personal, personal experience. Um, but I guess for the, for the person being tattooed, it's a one-off thing that you may do every, every couple of months, maybe, or maybe once every few years. But obviously for you, as a tattooist, it's it's all it's every day, day in, day out. You're in this in this headspace of being sort of connected to someone. Yeah. Um, and to me, that <laughs> that means I have a, a crazy big responsibility that I need to take very very seriously, and I really really do. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, uh, in the sense that it is my finest job to be a proper channel every day. Mm -hmm. Right. I need to try and be the best tool I can be for this spirit that we are trying together to channel uh, onto this person. Yeah, I, I imagine that you you find yourself probably in some awkward situations in the. I imagine people open up, or, you know, across across, you know, maybe eight hours of being tattooed. Some people may just open up and share things that maybe they wouldn't share with other people or in that yeah. situation. And then you almost become not, not a therapist, but you also, you know, you, you're listening to people's troubles, I imagine. And, and you, you're also tattooing them whilst maybe speaking about some very personal issues. Yeah, for sure. And I actually think it's, it's all kind of connected, right? I mean, if, if we're serious about what we do, then the rest of your life have to kind of be in there too. Like, why are you here? What do you want this to do for you? Um, and, and very often, of course, people come when they're at a stage in their life where they're, they're in some sort of crossways, some sort of something made them think, now it's time to get this rather large dedication to something, or I need more power for so-and-so. Mm -hmm. Well, that's that. So this, I would say, one of the things that seems to distinguish you from a lot of other tattoo artists is that you have that spiritual component to your work, right? That's um, that's pretty unique in that sense. Actually, I think that I think the tattooing process in itself is magical and powerful and spiritual. But I think a lot of people might not think about it so much. But but like even if you go to I don't know uh, more traditional, but neo traditional <laughs> or uh, tattoo artist, and you choose a, a, a picture from a book and and they they slap it on and it's to it. It is still powerful, right? Even if they try to cut everything out of it and it's just like a business transaction. The power is still there. Like, like uh, uh, I, I don't think you can get away from from it. I, I just try to be conscious about it uh, and 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 try to use it constructively. 
for me as well personally i think tattoos can almost give you give people confidence as well it's almost sometimes like a form of armor that, that you you put you're putting this on your body and whether it's the the people are, are they've not got the most confidence in their own body and it, it's almost covering up or whether it's just an addition on top of and it, it's just like i don't know whether new skin's the right word but it's just it is quite empowering and and you want you walk, I know when I get a new tattoo, I walk out with my kind of my head a little bit higher and I want people to see it. And even with my, you know, my stomach, it might not be the, the my favorite part of my body, but I'm like, fuck it, I've got this really awesome thaw face on my on my stomach. Now I don't mind if people see that because I'm I'm proud of it and I'm proud of the work that, that Sean's done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's some there's an interesting kind of dynamic going on there, right? Which is essentially kind of religious. If you think of it like this, you go to someone and you let go of control, right? You put yourself in their hands. In a sense, you sacrifice yourself to this process. And then you come out of it with something. I think there's an immense power in this uh, because, well, well, first of all, how often in this day and age do we actually let go of control? let go of our own designing of our image, so to speak. And, and how often do we actually have to make a sacrifice of some sort? Just lying there, letting go of the control, and it hurts, and it takes a long time. There is a sacrifice in that. I think it's beautiful. The, the pain is definitely a sacrifice, I think. And um, How often do you get people who come in with an exact design? Because I guess with, with most Nordic style tattoos, people aren't the best at drawing this style of artwork so they'll i guess they'll go to a tattooist with an idea and then you leave it open for their interpretation and i, I mean i'm probably one of the i imagine tattooists hate what i do so i'll go to sean and i'll say i want something on my stomach um you have free reign do what you want and, and like you were saying you're you're sacrificing yourself and i say you know i'm like you just get your sharpies out draw what you want to draw and let's see let's see what comes out and it is that that sacrifice because at the end of the day i'm not 100 sure what i'm going to get and i imagine that's very similar across the board even if people aren't as open as me they'll come with an idea and say look i want i want ulla or i want tia or i want thor and then you then you, you you're then the master who creates this piece of art and they're they're putting that in your hands of how it ultimately ends up yeah yeah i mean it, it does work like that uh most of the time people come and have a vague idea of direction or say it's it needs to happen mostly on my arm i think and i'm thinking maybe raven uh, for example uh and i like this or that um and sometimes uh, they come in like you described and say please give me awesome something (laughs) and i try to live up to that um, I had the, I had one client that, that came in. He did not speak very uh, well English when we started. And he uh, asked for a full body tattoo. And the only thing he said was basically Viking style full body. Do you, I mean, do you, do you like it when it's, do you have a preference? Do you, would you prefer someone that has a very clear direction or do you like that openness of somebody just saying, you know what? Do do you do do your best work? You 
go notes. Um, to get from my perspective, when I, I, I do it because I think that if I can give free reign to tattooists, that they're probably going to do the best work because they're going to do something they really want to do, and they're going to put really get into it because they've got free reign. It's like oh, I've had this idea for a while, I'm going to throw that on there. Um, but I just wondered if you had a preference. Um. Uh, you know, when I feel like a project worked the very best, and it, it may sound corny, but it's actually when when I feel like I, I, I got the client enough and they influenced enough along the way so that the product is kind of something we did together. Mm-hmm. Okay. I usually, uh, we sit and talk. We, we have some coffee when they come in and we sit and talk. And they tell me about the lives and what they were thinking about the tattoo and we chit chat. And then we start loosely drawing and just playing around. But I always tell them, if, if you have any thoughts along the way, if you have a sudden idea, just say it out loud. And, and yeah, yeah, they, there can be inspiration. And it's very hard to say where it came from because it was sort of in the synergy that was happening in the room. Mm-hmm. So one question, how... how um... How much do you uh, tattoo with, uh, you know, the stick and poke, and how much do you do with the machine? I used to hand poke more. I don't know why I don't like the term stick and poke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I call it hand poke. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're right, hand poke. I, I think stick and poke is sort of kind of uh, like prison associated over here in the yeah i get the association of kids buying a stick and poke set on uh, wish and then uh, starting uh, uh, poking each other uh, with sharp things at home i I don't know yeah that's that's (laughs) sounds like you're gonna rob someone (laughs) yeah sounds like like a hold up like you stick Stick them up give me all your money (laughs) 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 it just sounds a little Child, I don't know. I, I agree. It sounds mm-hmm. a little bit off. <laughs> I guess you're right. Um, well, the traditional hand poking, where I would make a tool and and uh, and and sit and, and hand poke, I don't do it as much as I used to. I quite enjoy it, and every now I have clients that that, that where it's important that this is the way we do it. It takes longer, and I find that I'm doing quite big things and. I, I don't know how much I do it, 10% of the time, 20 sometimes. Um, sometimes it's a combination because people would like to try the traditional method, but they also want a lot of tattooing done. Uh, right. Well, <laughs> we so, and that's funny that you mentioned it because I, when you tattooed my arm, um, I mean, I feel like it went just as fast when you were doing it with the hand poke. Yeah, it depends a little bit of what exactly it is that we're doing. If we're doing like dot work shading, it's pretty much as fast. But then... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess it's down to how much you, you do it as well, because obviously we had Hilda from Habanero and, and she she did my my finger and it was just as quick as somebody with a machine. I was, it, because I, But that's all she does day in, day out is, is hand poke. Yeah, I can definitely see a tendency in, in my Nordic tattoo colleagues that some choose to basically do hand poking uh, only. And I have a, a, a lot of respect for that. Uh, for some reason, that's not what attracts me the most about this, this Nordic uh, uh, Nordic style. It's 
for me, and I'm not saying it's like this for the other guys, but but for me, what's interesting is not so much to be like people maybe were for a thousand years ago. Uh, it, it's um, what attracts me is the the attempt of connecting to a pre-Christian Scandinavian spirit that I think, still think we have in our roots that I thoroughly believe that we need today uh, a, a different way of thinking. Uh, yeah, probably more than more than ever. Um, just to pull you back, you said that you make your own handbook. Is that the, the tool? Do you do that for, for everyone? Because every time I've, I've been handbook, it's always been a little metal stick out of a a packaging, I guess, that comes pre, pre-made. I I'd never knew anybody who made it them made one themselves. Well, I don't make the needle. I use a single-use sterile needle. But okay, uh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. I didn't know whether there was this, this type of like you made one from a little bit of bone. That sounds <laughs> amazing. <laughs> it's possible, but uh, probably not that hygienic. No, no. I I just mean I. I put a tool together that has a good weight and is nice to hold, and uh, it's then okay. thrown out afterwards. I, that I was just—I was wondering, and I was also very amazed by it. I guess. Um, but, but before before we go down the, the the most important question that we ask all the tattooists is whether Vikings t- were tattooed. Um, before I ask you that, someone mentioned that in Denmark it's illegal to have your hands and neck tattooed, or hands and face tattooed. Was it? Uh, it's perfectly legal to have them tattooed. It's not legal to tattoo them. Oh, okay. So this is like the whole, it's illegal to take uh, to sell steroids, but you can take steroids. That's how it is in the UK anyway. Yeah, it's something like that. It is uh, not legal for me to tattoo hands and 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 face. Uh, actually, above the, the shirt collar, I think the original phrasing is. Yeah, it, it, it's insane that tattoo... Tattoos across the board, not just Nordic tattoos, are so incredibly popular. You know, these days, it's pretty, most people you see, I think now, especially younger people, have tattoos. But it still seems so archaic in in the laws. Even in the UK, I, th- I think there's very little actual restriction. I know you have to be registered as a tattooist, and and there's certain things you have to 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 um to adhere to. But there's no kind of training program or like scholarship you can go to where they will take treat teach people the proper hygiene, teach people how to tattoo. It's still very much an on-the-job um, apprentice-style teaching. I actually think it's pretty awesome that it is, as far as I can think of, one of the last educations in this country, at least, which is actually like master apprentice-based. If you want to get into it, you have to find someone who will teach you. And I, I'm sure there's pros and cons, and I'm sure there's a lot of horrible experiences out there, but but there, there's something about it I really like, like this, this trait that is passed on to someone worthy, if you will. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I was, a, I was a plumber for 12 years before I started Horns um, of Odin, and I, I'd learned from my boss. That was, I, I learned plumbing from him every day. I'd, I'd have to do all the shitty jobs, and, but he, I, every, you know, I'd learned a little bit more here and there, and eventually I knew what I was doing. All the little weird tricks of the trade that you only really learn if you have your hands on it, right? That's it. And you have a you have a connection to them without a doubt. You know, I have a a lot of respect. I have a lot of respect for it. So Ben was a guy who told me I have a lot of respect for him. He he gave me the, the skill to 
to earn money and look after myself and provide for my family, I guess. And even though I don't use them now, I've, I've taken another path. He, he still gave me these skills that I could use now or in 10 years. It's, yeah. it's, it's very much a relationship that you, that you get with someone and it's, it's that passing on and you have to have that, that mutual respect. Yeah. So, yeah. So, okay, let's get to the, to the burning question of whether you think the, the people in the Viking age in Scandinavia were actually tattooed. Right. Well, of course I think so. It is uh, a warrior culture. Uh, we, we know for a fact they, they uh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't actually want to get into any of the arguments. Yes, I definitely think so, but I also <laughs> don't care too much. Okay. Again, I, I don't think what's interesting nowadays is uh, for us to try and become Vikings. I'm very inspired by, by the finds. Um, uh, the silver finds, the, the wood carvings, um, all this this, this uh, rich uh, heritage. They, they actually just found a huge gold hoard in Denmark again, uh, like a few weeks ago, filled with the new brackets, which are these um, golden coins with with um, these quite specific weird figures on them. There's usually a horse and a guy sitting on the horse and with weird hair that sometimes is a bird uh, and, and some runes. And, and they've just found like, I don't know, tons of, of these. And, and there's, they're, they're very different, all of them. Uh, anyway, so there's, there's so much inspiration to draw from. Uh, the tattoos I make are definitely not historically correct. Uh, and I am not really interested in them. To be historically correct, I, I, what I like is instead of of trying to to make a museum piece, I would like to be part of of pulling a, a a certain spirit into our age. But do I think they were to do it? Of course they were. We only have one person who who said no, and that's Luciano, of uh, who does the Children of Ash project. And he's the only per he's the only tattooist who's ever been like, no, I don't think they are. But I all equally he knows so much about this stuff that I'm like, oh. Well, I mean, I am going to be in Iceland in November arguing that they tattooed. So um, we'll see how that goes at the Nordic Mythology Conference in Reykjavik. So uh, I, I personally think they will have been. Uh, to some to some degree i i i think it's it's very likely you know it's it's kind of like the argument with the drum like we haven't found any drums from the viking age um but it's like would, would scandinavia be the only corner of the world where they didn't have drums um <laughs> you know we we have we have um we have written and archaeological evidence all around scandinavia in Europe that suggests tattooing. So like, would that would Scandinavia be the only place where people didn't tattoo? Yeah, and also it's like, this, this is not like one people or one country. People from Scandinavia went into Russia like way before the so-called Iron Age uh, or so-called Viking Age. Uh, and they were all over the place. Like they were probably very different from one valley in Sweden to the next. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think you made a brilliant point as well. Is what does it what does it matter? 
whether they whether they were or weren't in, in modern times it doesn't really matter because if just be, let's say they weren't tattooed does that mean they were not allowed in modern day to look at the artwork and look at the well the, the artifacts they left behind and go oh i can't tattoo that on me because they didn't like what does it really matter it's a different time and we can we can enjoy it and respect it in, in our own way I mean, actually, I think if you take this stuff seriously, the, the spiritual part, if you take it, it serious that there is some power in this that we can draw on, then it, it really doesn't matter. Like, like, are we playing Vikings? Or are we trying to actually internalize a, a certain uh, way of thinking that we feel like is missing in our culture today? I mean, there's definitely a lot of people out there playing Vikings, and they are welcome oh, to oh. it. Oh, there is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> there is there is definitely a lot. Um, yeah, maybe more than more than the other side, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it, it it has been a funny experience uh, for me to. I mean, I started uh, this the tattooing business uh, ten years ago, but I worked with the runes since '98. And, and grew up with the stories and, and the, the feeling like these gods are more real than this, this new or Christian one and all of this, right? Uh, and, and when I started to doing like this, I remember like feeling, oh, this is nice. This is my little, little niche. This is a, a weird little corner. Some people will probably get it and then they will, uh, and, and then it kind of exploded. Um, probably because of certain Hollywood productions. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, this, this, this Viking thing became like, uh, as you say in Danish, elements, I, mm. uh, like everyone owns it, right? Yeah. Uh, and well, I, I'm sure that uh, I can thank uh, uh, the production from certain clients coming from the US, for example, but it, it's also weird. Uh, it, it it is kind of weird. I mean, I um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I I I know what you mean. Like you know, growing up with this stuff, uh, this stuff just being sort of like part of your life in one way or another. That's that's how it was for me. And then all of a sudden, you're seeing seeing things that you know you kind of had a personal relationship to back in like the 90s for instance or the early 2000s because it was part of your cultural identity your spiritual identity as well um you're suddenly seeing that like blown up all over the internet or tattooed on people's bodies or you know uh americans sitting over here having having no connections or relations to scandinavia besides the ones that they're you know, generating now, right? Um, talking about this and having opinions about it, and you're like, "What the hell happened?" <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Look at you. You've got your green card, and you've got all brave, aren't you? <laughs> talking about the <laughs> Americans. <laughs> hey, I've always said these things. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm here to help them out, figuring, figuring out the right way uh, towards that stuff. <laughs> I think with anything. It, it has become such a big, big part of a of American culture, I guess, in in modern day, and they have such an influence on so many other aspects in the world, especially with, I guess, like Hollywood films, TV shows, that kind of thing. That 
it then once once it gets a hold there, it spreads everywhere, I guess. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it maybe personal theory here, but but like when people react to it, it's obviously because they feel something, right? Like here is something that feels more real than the I don't know, lack of realness that I experience in my everyday life. And then maybe they want to pursue this that felt like, oh, here's, here's something with more power than what, uh, what I grew up with. And, and I think that that's to be taken serious enough. I mean, yeah, so most people grow up in these culturally sterile environments nowadays in, in, in the Western world. Um, if we look at America, for instance, we, there are so many white Americans whose, whose actual culture has been supplanted by this consumerism, like you, you're just being fed the idea that as long as you consume, then you have culture. And actually, it's the opposite, right? Right? Exactly. Anti-culture. It is anti-culture. It's, it's anti-spirit. Uh, I think that's kind of what we're fighting against here, like, like. Uh, and I don't know if it's a fight we can win, uh, but 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 in the Western world, uh, I mean, this is a spiritual vacuum, and <laughs> fuck, I don't know what we can do about it. I try in my little way, one person at a time, to put some spirit into this vacuum, and and uh, 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 but yeah, so so obviously, yeah. You see Vikings and you feel like, oh fuck yeah, that's that seems right. Or you see Star Wars and and that seems right. Or the mm-hmm. next week it's something else. I think I think the um, I think that that the interest in, in in Viking stuff, the interest in in you know European past among white Americans with European descendants, I think that's a that's a true expression of 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 from people who are recognizing that that what they have otherwise been you know brought up to 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 the ways in which they've been brought up to live is, is, are are kind of hollow and, and at this point at this point they're, they're basically saying we need more uh substance in our lives and that's why you're seeing look i, I I'm, I'm looking forward to going to see high loan tonight at Red Rocks. Red Rocks is is a very, in many ways, a very sacred venue. And I'm pretty sure that the energy there is going to be fucking phenomenal because we are seeing all these people coming all over the country um, to 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 take part in in what is essentially a ritual. It so, is. Yeah, so, it's like one long prayer that they're doing, basically. Yeah. So so that's an expression, if you ask me. It's an expression of of that need to to get back to something that makes sense. Yeah, we, across the board, we've all lost, or, or a big part of humanity's lost that spiritual side. Because I know, as as a child growing up, I didn't grow up amongst any of this. I kind of took this path as I got into adulthood. Um, and it, it, when I was a, a kid at school, if I'd have mentioned anything spiritual or spirituality, I'd have just been laughed at or teased or bullied because it's just not something that I think is mentioned in certainly I don't know about in Denmark or in the USA but certainly like in the UK most households it's just not something that's mentioned it's it's kind of it's almost laughed at mm-hmm. yeah 
there we have gotten to the point where it's not even about uh, if gods exist. It's it's like I remember actually asking this bishop in Denmark. I I met at some point, and I asked him, "So do you you believe in God?" <laughs> and the <laughs> asshole couldn't say yes. <laughs> he said, "Ah, oh, yes, there's something." You're a bishop for crying out loud. Thank you. <laughs> um, if we have become so alienated from the thought of there being anything conscious other than us that like, like um, that you're being laughed at at school for even suggesting such a thing right mm-hmm. I have a lot of blame to go towards Christianity and and, uh, and, and any monotheistic religion really like yeah, yeah. That that that's <laughs> that's a whole can of worms. But that, that that's another thing, right? So what we're seeing, you know, in in a country like Denmark, what what is recognized as as quote unquote spiritually valid? Well, it's it's like Christianity, if if anything at all, and then then perhaps like Islam. But it's usually Islam in in a Danish context usually cast in a negative light as sort of like scary spirituality, if anything. And this, I think, is very similar in the UK and many other places in Europe. You have that, like, uh, that like Christianity is, is the okay spirituality. Then you have Islam as, like, a problematized spirituality. Uh, of course, there are also people who are accepting, but, but, but you see that, you know, you know explicated in so many ways in, in public life. And then, then everything outside of that is inconsequential. We don't care about that at all, right? That's how it has been for a very long time, if you ask me. Yeah, but all of these religions, uh, like, like Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, and I think they are very similar, so uh, there's a good chance to make a lot of enemies uh, <laughs> saying that. Uh, <laughs> but, like... It's a religion, it's a hierarchical uh, religion, right? One God in top and anyone who can sort of speak for that God is then in charge down to like the daddy in the family, right? Mm. All the way down king and so on. And they, are, they seem like political uh, systems of control. And, and of course there are people that happen to be Christian that are very spiritual. But then I almost think it's despite the fact that they're Christian, mm. that actual spirituality where you feel connected to the world and not apart from it, 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 it we have done our dances to, to wipe it out over the last thousand years. Yeah, and I, I, I don't think, I guess with true spirituality, it doesn't need a, an overall umbrella term, whether it's Christianity or Islam or or even paganism, I think it's your own personal feeling and your own path, and nobody can tell you it's right or wrong or what you you feel. I don't think it needs to be put in this box of a certain thing. So you can have Christians who who feel spiritual, and like you say, it doesn't have to be because they're Christian. It's because of them themselves and how they connect with things, and and it is almost in spite of the the Christianity, the system of it all, so to speak. Yeah, I think everyone's everyone's an individual, and you all feel your own thing, and and nobody can ever tell you 
how you feel. And that's one of the beautiful things about humans, I guess, is that I can feel a certain way and nobody else on the planet can tell me how I'm feeling. It's just how it is. That's my own personal feeling. It's my own thing. Um, and I, if I say I have a connection with something and I feel and I, I see it and it speaks to me and, it's, and we have this, this moment in time Nobody can ever take that away. Nobody else can experience it either. It's your thing and your thing alone. And if you choose to then tell people about it, then you can. But they, you, they, you still then can't pass on that experience. It's impossible to do. You can only say in words. It's still your thing. And if it makes you happy and you feel that way, then fuck everyone else. I mean, if it works and it actually makes your life better, then you're onto something, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and and tell you, to go back to what you, you were saying before, I think it's not necessarily that people don't care about everything outside of the, the top three or certainly like in the UK. I think it's more that people don't know. It's not it's not taught in schools like like paganism or heathenism is not taught in any school. You don't like I would unless I, I took the path that I did um, in like my mid 20s and took went down this route, I would never have. Found, I like I would have known Thor and Odin from Marvel, um, but other than that, like I wouldn't have gone down this path. I would have stayed on the one I was on, and I would just wouldn't have even known this this world exists. Maybe I would have known in the same context that I know the Roman gods, the Greek gods from TV shows, that kind of stuff, but not in a spiritual sense. And I just don't think that they're taught or you come across it in in everyday life unless this is your your thing, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, I could rant at you for a long time about how that is part of the the Christian cultural fabric of of Europe to to erase other other religious modalities, basically, right? I mean, it's the same. You know, um, you might learn a little bit about Hinduism in uh, you know when you're taking religion in high school, but it's 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 taught as something exotic and distant. You know, it's it's taught as something that that belongs to India over there, right? So in that way, we sort of um, make sure that oh, nobody is going to fall to Hinduism here uh, <laughs> in our nice cozy little Western houses, right? And then it, it's the same with other religions. You know, West African religion is also taught as more of like a a curiosity of of somewhere else. Than, than, than something that is a viable um, spiritual path, right? Um, something that, that, that actually is, is, is real and alive and living for the people who are practicing and participating in it. So, so that's, that's, that's part of how Europeans deal, deal with this stuff too. It's, a, it, it's always implicitly told that the Christianity is the reality. That, that's the real thing. No, I, th I think there's something to be said about familiarity because you see, especially again, I can only speak for the UK, but you see aspects of Christianity all over the place. And even though I, I think most people, especially younger generations, probably aren't religious, you still see churches everywhere. You see crosses, you see these things, and it's very you're very familiar to it, so it's not abnormal. Whereas you said you know, people have a fear of Islam. To an extent, it's probably because it's so different so people i think humans naturally have this fear of things that they don't understand it's a different language it looks different 
and they kind of pull back. And I think that's maybe the same with some pagan religions because they go, oh, look at these people walking around the woods, throwing blood all over. You know, that that's kind of like the image they have with a, with a horse's skull or something. And because they don't understand it, it's just a natural kind of fear of, oh, fuck hell, they must be a little bit weird. And that's, so they just pull back and they don't want to learn because they don't understand it. Yeah, but on the other hand, I think, you know, in many ways in, in Scandinavia, uh, those who are heathens or whatever we want to call them, Ausatur, they're more, perhaps even sometimes more accepted than, than Muslims. Um, because, you know, you're usually a bunch of white dudes, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's always been very sent to me because where I, where I grew up, it's very highly populated by sort of Pakistani, um, in, I guess Indian, um, and all sort of went to, I went to school with, with people who part of Islam and it's just, it's very normal to me and kind of in my area, you walk around, you see some people who are Christian, you see some people who are Islam, like follow Islam and it's just part of life. Whereas, and it's insane that in some places it's just not, feels like it's not accepted or there's a, a fear towards it and it's that kind of once you know when you live together and you go to school together and you go to the same shops or you play on the same sport teams you kind of go you know what <laughs> we're exactly the fucking same and so we <laughs> let's let, let's talk about also talk about spirituality let's talk about tia and uh, i know Mateus wanted to talk about tia Ufa, you have a personal connection obviously it's up to you what you want to share and don't share um but yeah let's I feel like we're on the right topic. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of wanted to make the point that, it, so we have gotten into this habit of thinking of religion as something like, like you decide on a set of uh, rules or, uh, for life that you think makes sense. And then you, you, that's kind of how you're religious, right? And I would like to, to just suggest a, a redefinition uh, uh, when, when I get into what my relationship is with you. If we think of religion more as uh, lost techniques, like religious techniques, or religion is the knowledge of having techniques to mess with our brain in a way so that we can connect to the gods. Or we could even not even call them gods. We could call them deeper neurological dynamics so when uh, uh, some weird pagans or some tribe uh, run around in the forest uh, swinging their horse skulls around covered in blood whatever they do i wondered where you were going with that then (laughs) (laughs) are they swinging what around (laughs) (laughs) yeah whatever we swing around in the forest uh under the moon naked um So, so uh, a shaman from Siberia is only a shaman because he has learned these certain techniques to, to either connect uh, himself with someone uh, or something and bring messages back or to help other people uh, transfer to the other side, right? Mm-hmm. And I spent uh, uh, well, most of my life looking for shit that worked. Um, because I had a bunch of uh, experiences when I was younger, like I actually think most people do, um, and uh, and couldn't really find answers in like the con- conventional sort of uh, consensus knowledge. And, you know. 
So, so I, I, I searched around. I'm sure a lot of people are searching a lot uh, and found different things that work. But about 10 years ago, I was invited to take part in um, uh, certain rituals from the Brazilian tradition of candomblé. And uh, my initial response was, oh, this, this, it's, it's got nothing to do with me. It's, it's weird Brazilian names and uh, it doesn't really speak to me, but, but I also recognized, shit, there's something here that works. Yeah. And, and um, the guy that introduced me to this uh, had gone to Brazil and was initiated there as a, as a priest and came back and was charged from the other side with coming back to Denmark and, and making a Nordic version of this. Um, so basically for the last 10 years, I've been involved in this and, and practicing this to, to some extent. And at some point it became apparent that I was wanted <laughs> uh, to, uh, to go through an initiation also. And the weird thing is that even though this is like, uh, tools, religious tools and, and techniques and rituals from this uh, Brazilian religion, which actually came to Brazil from Angola and Congo, mostly with the slaves that were brought over there and then transmuted a lot over there and took in some Catholic elements and, and like, it is not dogmatic, it's alive. So it kind of changes all the time. Uh, so it became apparent that I should be initiated to, to Chua or Tivas. And this, this is a massive undertaking. And we basically prepared it for, for the last two years. And this summer, I went through the initiation. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounds awesome. Um, I, I mean, what does the, the process entail? How, how do you, what, what sets um, it off on that journey? Is, there, is, it, is it different for each person or? Uh, yes, uh, it is for sure different for each person, uh, and it's for the initiant to to know what happens. So I can't really tell you much. Okay, no, no. <laughs> I can That's... tell you it's one of the toughest things I've done in my life. <laughs> <laughs> you got you got through the other side, though. Yeah, yeah, Bailey. I mean, that, that's like like sort of uh, circling back to that whole. Of, thing of sacrificing yourself like like we talked about the tattooing situation it's like a smaller version of any initiation or any transfer from one state to another is exactly that right your old self has to die uh, and the more to be reborn as something else and the more you you fight that the more it hurts and the older you get the more you tend to fight it the more it hurts so you're breaking down, basically breaking down the ego to then rebuild it in, in another form, basically. Yeah, yeah, that is, that is necessary. Uh, and of course, uh, in any uh, kind of uh, branch of uh, modern self-development, of course, this element of breaking down the ego, of, of realizing that, that our idea of self is an illusion, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so that we can let it go and not not uh, take it and and ourselves in quotation marks too seriously, right? Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure this is not for for everyone, and I'm sure uh, uh, for for most people, if you can get to this point of hey, I'm actually feeling good about myself, I know 
this and that and the third issue that I have comes from so-and-so. I don't have to, to be too hung up on it. It's just my ego. Oh, uh, I feel afraid about something. It's just my ego. Um, I mean, that, that's the key, isn't it? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I don't think you have to become a priest, <laughs> <laughs> but but this, and I actually fought it for a while. Um, the first signs were there quite early on, but I was quite happy with where I was in my life, and uh, I was very happy with the tattooing. And the thing is, once you give yourself over like that, you are serving someone else, and. Uh, uh, I was I was just kind of hoping my destiny was still to tattoo and but I, I mean I might have come out the other side a, a road sweeper and then that been... <laughs> you'd have been a damn good road sweeper. Uh... <laughs> I would have swept those roads. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I mean, yeah. I, as much as I want to learn more about the initial like the initiation, I also absolutely respect your right to keep it to yourself because I think, especially nowadays people just keep so little to themselves and personal everything just gets shared online and told and everybody can't wait to to take a picture of something and post it on instagram or share it on facebook and things almost they lose their their specialness or closeness to people when you you put it out there like we recently lost lost harry our cock spaniel that we had for for 10 years and i it took me two weeks to maybe tell anybody outside of people who knew me personally and knew because I just, I didn't want to, I just didn't want to share it with the world. It was just something that I wanted to keep personal. And I just didn't, I wasn't ready to kind of put on Instagram and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, everyone, please say sorry to me because my, my dog died. But that's, it, we, we've become that we've become this kind of thing where that's the first reaction for a lot of. It's basically that, tiny endorphin rush that you get from an extra like what mm-hmm. the hell is 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 that making up for feeling that you're part of a social group is i mean are we tapping into something so basic in our nature but in in this like fake way that uh, like it's like a reflex right Oh, I got this little endorphin rush that I would normally get from feeling that I really belong uh, in a family or a tribe, or, or uh, but I don't. But I get sort of a, a little kick that reminds me of that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 an instrumentalization of humans. Humans become instruments to other humans. They're, you're you're basically. In, when you think like that, when you act like that, then you perceive people around you as a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. You, you only exist so that I can get something yeah. over here. This is this is the, the epitome of commodifi- commodification, right? I mean, they're, they're currently having hearings in, in the Congress, I think, um, uh here in the u.s about facebook and instagram and all that stuff all the fuckery that they're involved in in knowing just how they're destroying people's uh psychological makeup and and basic sense of self whether it's instagram peddling you know weird diets or or you know diet pills to to kids 
or it's Facebook, um, you know, being a cornerstone in, in, in <laughs> devolving society by, by spreading all kinds of fucked up lies all over the place, right? Like people, people know by now that, 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 that we, are, we have put ourselves in a really, really, really bad situation with these uh, social media platforms and the way that they work. I, I think I'd like to, uh, uh, like what the hell can we do about all this, right? And I think uh, they have this like personal sort of little life theory, uh, philosophy, that, that every choice we make all the time, like every time we interact with someone, every time we make a life choice, every time we make any choice, really, it's, it's either based on love or it's based on fear, which is the excuses, or I don't need to get involved in this, or, right? So, so if we very actively choose to, to act on love all the time, then, it's, then we walk into the bus and the bus driver looks grumpy and we decide to smile because it may not be the easiest way, but, but we push a little bit of love out into the world, right? If the, it's, it's true though, because if everybody listening to this just does something nice, listen to this episode and then they just do go out of their way, it doesn't have to be anything big, just something small, just to make somebody smile, make somebody's day. Just and that could just be like saying hello to somebody, asking somebody how their day is, and these little things they pass on because that person might go home and think, you know, that that made me happy today, and then it kind of hopefully has a has a role on effect to others. Um, but it's so easy for everyone to just think life's shit, life's hard, everyone's struggling. Let's and I'm just gonna sit here and, and get on with it rather than trying to push outwards with with that happiness, I guess. And uh happiness is infective. And if you know, if you're in a group of people and one person is really happy, it, it infects to others. It's just so easy sometimes to think, what's the point? On that, let's wrap this up. We've we've gone deep. I feel like we could speak for another hour and a half. Um, Ufa, you you're welcome back anytime, and we can uh, we can see what rabbit hole we we go down then as well. Um, Ufa, where can where can people find find you to follow you, follow your artwork, um, book a tattoo? Uh, well, uh, search for Genunga Gap Art, which is uh, a name I chose because well, it has a lot of meaning to it. It also sounds uh, impossible in any language. Um, <laughs> Ginungagap uh, is the the void before uh, the world's created Nordic mythology. But Ginungagap art on Facebook and uh, all the things, Instagram and all the platforms that we just yes, shared on. all of those. <laughs> that's what I was just I thinking. <laughs> but that's 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 also proves the web of kind of this how deep this goes. That it just you can't almost escape. You know, we we have a podcast, um, but also equally we kind of rely on facebook to to grow to grow the podcast and get people listening to our rants about how you should be more involved in the world. but I, 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 it's all about balance isn't it these things have very much they have a use and they're in the world and they're not going anywhere but you have to try and have that balance and and understanding is to not let it affect your life too much i mean it's awesome we live in awesome times but we might also be destroying ourselves. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little it's a little insane. So Mateus, where can people follow you? Instagram. I still have my Instagram account. 
there Just we go type in my name and you can find me there <laughs> awesome um you can follow me daniel and scott Aaron one on instagram obviously horns Woden as well uh, if you want to follow the podcast, it's just at Naughty Mythology Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Same on YouTube. Uh, we have the website, NaughtyMythologyPodcast.com. You can pick up a T-shirt on there. Um, if you want to get a little bit more involved and help support the show, help us keep growing, Patreon's the best way. You can jump over to Patreon for slash Naughty Mythology Podcast. After most shows, we try to get a bonus episode for people. It'll either be a Vikings watch long show where me and Mateus sit down and watch the very popular TV show Vikings and let you know what we think about the episode and what we like, what we don't like. Or if we don't, if we're not doing that, we do a bonus story time episode where Jonas Lorenzen is going to become the permanent narrator and read, read a saga whilst we get to sit and uh, discuss. And there we go. Thank you for take care. Thanks.